This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. I'm not going to dwell on this story because it's a sad story. It's a tragic story, and many of you won't even remember it because it happened in 1982, January of 1982. Do you remember the Air Florida jet that crashed into a bridge over the Potomac River in Washington, D.C., and it was winter, there was icing problems, and I still remember one scene, and I can't tell you why I remember it, when a flight attendant was pulled out of the river holding on to a life preserver like this with her elbow through the, the opening of that life preserver and the circular life preserver and being rescued out of the water. Only four or five people survived that crash that day, and she was one of them. It was a terrible day, and the NTSB did their inspection, and this is why I'm telling you the story. The NTSB said the reason for the crash, and I'm paraphrasing, was that the pilots didn't believe things they should believe, which is interesting. They didn't believe some of their instruments that they should have believed, and they believed things that they shouldn't have, which is really interesting when you think about it. That's what happens to you and to me in our hearts. We are deceived by our own hearts. And then Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart, listen to this, this sounds harsh, can con you into believing something you shouldn't believe. Your heart, my heart, can con us into believing something we shouldn't believe and prevent us from believing the very thing and in the very one we need to believe in. You say, how do you know that? Well, read with me Jeremiah 17. Just two verses today. That's it. Two verses, 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to his conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Go back to verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. And you thought, well, the heart is the part of the body that pumps blood through the body, and you're right. Did you know you can hold? It's physically possible. I mean, in terms of holding it, you could hold your heart in your hand, which is maybe a gruesome thought to think about. But you could hold it in your hand. It's a wondrous part of the body, weighing less than a pound. It pumps 2,000 gallons of blood through 6,000 miles of arteries, according to this article, veins and capillaries every single day. Your heart beats 100,000 times a day. Your heart beats 100,000 times a day. As important and amazing as that organ is, it's not what the Bible is talking about in this passage. Here's how you can write this down in your notes, those of you that take notes. Your heart that the Bible is referring to is the part of you that thinks. It's a part of you that reasons. It's the part of you that desires. It's the part of you that decides. And I like that one the best. It decides. You know, every Sunday I try to call people to a decision, decide something. 
And the heart is the part of you that decides. And it's the part of you, get this, that God, our Father, appeals to. He speaks to your heart. That's what we're talking about. The part of you that thinks, reasons, desires, and decides. Well, all this week on Crossover, a message about the heart, the centerpiece of your being. On Crossover, that's crossover.org. You know, every Sunday I try to call people to a decision, decide something. And the heart is the part of you that decides. And it's the part of you, get this, that God, our Father, appeals to. He speaks to your heart. That's what we're talking about. The part of you that thinks, reasons, desires, and decides. Ron Dunn puts it this way. From Charlotte, North Carolina, the heart is clever and crafty. It can appear one way when it's quite another. Every once in a while, we know this about ourselves, don't we? We know that we have the frightening ability to hide a hateful heart under flattering words. You ever have somebody flatter you and you say, that guy can't stand me. That woman can't stand me, and yet she talks, he talks in such a flattering way. We know what that's like, but be careful because maybe you've done the same thing. We can do it all the time. We can use a sweet tone, Ron says, and the act and sound as if we're perfectly at ease when inwardly we are seething with anger and hatred toward another person. That is the heart. It has that ability. It can appear fair. It can make the most impressive vows to do better. It can promise reform. It can suffer hardship. The Apostle Paul says that you can bestow all your goods to feed the poor and not have one ounce of love in your body. He said you can give your body to be burned without love. We can do so much that's worth nothing, and yet we try to tell others and ourselves that we're doing it with utmost sincerity. But it's a house built upon the sand, doomed to disaster. Now, here's my question to you. Has your heart conned you? Have you been deceived by your own heart? Yes, you have, and so have I. You have, and so have I. I want to share a piece of writing with you that is so powerful, and I'm not going to tell you who said it until after I read it. And I'm not going to tell you when this was spoken or written until after I read it, because both the date and the person will surprise you. Here's what the person said. You have very little time in private for God. You have very little time in private for God. You spend far more time watching television than you do reading the Bible. You spend far more time reading the newspapers and reading novels than you do in prayer. You don't have time for God. Your heart is a long way from God. The Bible says that our hearts are dark. Romans 1.21 says that before they knew God, they glorified God not as God, neither were they thankful. The Bible teaches that our hearts can be dark because we have spiritual eyes that have been blinded by the gods of this age. Now, you ready for this? Written in 1957. Billy Graham. 1957, some 63, 64 years ago, and yet he said, 
you have very little time for God. You spend more time watching television than you do reading the Bible. That was said in 57. Just think how much more people watch television today in 2020. You spend far more time reading the newspaper and reading novels than you do in prayer. You don't have time for God. Your heart is a long way from the Lord tonight. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I really do. Well, does that speak to you at all? It speaks to me. It's an issue that we rarely talk about, yet it's so important, the heart. Crosshope.org. That's crosshope.org. Let's talk about verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Does it bother you at all that the Lord searches your heart? It does me. Do you know why it bothers me? Because I know what's in my heart. And you know what's in your heart. And the God who searches the heart knows your heart, and he knows my heart. And that's a powerful word for all of us, not just for somebody or one or two people here today. It's for all of us. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. The Bible speaks of the heart as the center of your being. It's where everything that the important decision happens, happens in your heart. Have you ever made a decision and you said, I've got to think about it for a while. You tell somebody this, give me some time to think about it. And you've already made up your mind a long time ago. Well, let me, uh, Bob or Mary or whatever the case may be, let, let me think about it. I just need to give it some thought. You've already decided a long time ago, you've made up your mind because it's in the heart where decisions True decisions are made. I want to tell you this powerful story told by Mike Minix. Mike is a, a preacher from the South. He said, I preached a message in a revival in Georgia. A few weeks later, I was eating in a restaurant with some minister friends, and a woman walked up to the table. She looked at me and said, are, are you a minister? And he, she said, yes. She said, did you preach a revival at a church, such and such a church? And she gave him the name of the place and the church. He said, yes, I did preach a revival there. She said, when you preached a message on the heart in that revival, I was having some very difficult problems. I was thinking and saying and doing things that were not at all Christian, like I thought I was. I asked Jesus Christ to cleanse my heart, and I cannot tell you how wonderful it had been these last months. Jesus, I feel, is in control of my heart, and my joy is returned. Mike Minix was honest enough to say this. I was so glad she had something positive to say because I've had plenty of people, he said, come up to me and say, that was the worst sermon I ever heard. That was the worst revival I ever attended. That was the worst message that I ever sat through. And he said, I was so glad that I had made a difference with the message I gave in her life, and it did. What could the Lord do in your life? 
I'm going to share with you at the end of the message what I think is the most powerful thing you can pray for a person. Some of you are praying for a husband to change. You're praying for a wife to change. You're praying for a son or daughter to change. And I'm going to tell you today, stop praying. Stop praying that prayer. And that may shock you, may surprise you, but I'm going to explain to you to why. God is in the business of giving people a new heart. In fact, even Jeremiah says, I will give my people a new heart, speaking for the Lord. I will create a new heart in them in the 24th chapter. You can read it on your own, where God says, I will give my people a heart to love me and a heart to know me. So what we pray for is not for a husband, a wife, a son or daughter, or mom or dad to change. You know what we pray for people? Lord, give them a new heart. Lord, give them a new heart. So what we pray for is not for a husband, a wife, a son or daughter, or mom or dad to change. You know what we pray for people? Lord, give them a new heart. Lord, give them a new heart. Have you ever had a, a feeling that you knew somebody, not because you never met the person, but you had a friend who constantly talked about this third party? And you said, I, I feel like I know him because so-and-so talks about that person, that man or woman, all the time. That was a case of a good friend of mine in Columbus, Ohio, named David, who was a minister in the area. And David would always talk about a minister by the name of Frederick Beekner. He knew him from earlier years and earlier ministry in the East Coast. And so he talked about Frederick Beekner so much that I had a sense well, I sort of know him because of my friend. And that's possible in friendships, that your friend can talk so much about another friend that you feel like you know them. And here's what I wanted to share with you about that story. Frederick Beekner and his wife had a daughter who was dying of a very unique illness. Even today, it's called anorexia nervosa. She was starving herself to death. And David told me how they just constantly prayed for their daughter, constantly prayed for their daughter. And then I read Frederick Beekner talking about this himself. And I think I, some of you will remember this. He and his wife came to the place where they realized it was over. They just accepted the fact our daughter's going to die. Sweetheart, we're just going to have to accept the fact that we're going to lose our daughter. And so in their private prayer time, as I understand it, they committed her to the Lord and said, Lord, we know that she doesn't have long on this earth. And so we just commit everything we know about her to everything we know about you. And there was a peace that came over them when they committed their daughter to the Lord and sort of put up the white flag and say, we surrender her to you. And Frederick Beekner would say this, that's when she started getting better. Isn't that interesting? Now, I'm not suggesting that as a strategy for prayer for you, whatever your situation is, but maybe is there a lesson there that sometimes the most spiritual thing, the most effective thing we can do in prayer is to say, Lord, I just give up and I place it in your hands and I pray for you not to change my husband or my wife or my son or daughter or my mom or dad. Give them a new heart. 
And I'm willing to commit everything we know about them to everything we know about you. Is that possible? That the Lord could do something in their life? And I want to say, yeah, it is. It is possible for the Lord to do that. Why is it? Because the Lord is in the heart business. The Lord is in the heart business. Did you know the heart involves the mind and the heart involves the emotions? The heart involves every part of you. So here's what my point is. You change a man's heart and you change everything. You change a woman's heart and you change just about everything. And so that's why it's so important for us to know that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. Well, this is a personal question, and I ask it of both of us. What if the Lord were to examine your heart and mine? What would he see? What would he find in an examination of your heart and mine? Crosshope.org. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. I've got a very personal question to end with today. Jeremiah says, the Lord searches the heart and examines the mind. You know, the only person who knows the answer to this question is you. Nobody knows. The only person that can answer this question is you or me for ourselves. What is the Lord seeing when he examines your heart and examines your mind? What is he availing himself to by studying that in your life. And I want to suggest to you that the Lord is dealing with your heart for this reason. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. As a woman thinks in her heart, so she is. The Lord is saying, tell me what's in your heart, and I'll tell you what kind of man you are. Tell me what kind of woman you are. In Matthew 9, 4, Jesus is quoted as saying this, knowing their thoughts, the people he was talking to, why do you think evil in your hearts? Isn't that amazing? Why do you think evil in your hearts? Speaking of the people he was talking to. In Mark 7, what comes out of a man is what defiles a man or woman. For from within, out of the heart of men and women, proceeds, get this, evil thoughts, Adultery, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a man or woman. People have heart trouble in 2020. It has nothing to do with blockages. It has nothing to do with arrhythmias. It has nothing to do with whatever heart problem you may have been diagnosed with, or a heart problem some one of your family members has been diagnosed with, we're talking about a deeper issue than that. The heart is what makes you think, or where you think, where you reason, where you desire, and where you decide. And I'm asking you today to decide, to decide to believe in the Lord, and to decide to ask Him for a new heart. I wanted to leave you with this illustration. The heart is something 
that is very personal with people. In other words, I realize this is a personal issue with people today. I, I realize that I'm talking about something extremely personal in your life, yet not mentioning anything specifically connected to your name or to my name, but to know that that is something that we deal with. I want to leave you with this in Jeremiah, where the Lord says, I search the heart and mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. That's from the Revised Standard Version. The fruit of his doings. That's an interesting phrase. It means that your life produces fruit. You ever thought about that? What fruit do you produce? And I'm not talking about apples and oranges and that kind of thing. There's a life that comes out of your heart. There's fruit that's produced. It's called your behavior. It's called the way you talk, the way you relate to people. I mentioned this recently, that even the way you relate to strangers, the way you relate to strangers speaks about your heart. Everything we do reflects the Christ that's in us. Everything we say reflects the gospel that's in us. Every choice we make reflects the God who lives in us. Well, this series from Jeremiah continues next week on Crossope. That's crossope.org. You've been listening to Crosshope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries Incorporated.